I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die all right, welcome back to The Left is Dead and getting deader each day if you pay attention to Glenn Greenwald's Twitter account. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, James Carey. Jim, James Carey, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I, we have good news. Our site is up. We are at leftisdead.com. There's no dog. Yeah, Woo-hoo! so... Jake finally has a place to write about politics again. Now you can bother him on Twitter to do it. Yeah. Uh, God. Yeah. I'm to be honest, man, I am. I have never been this, this uh, just absolutely jaded and completely uninterested in politics, Uh, but it's cyclical. I'll get back into it. I don't know. Well, it's a bummer, man, but uh, I mean, that's, Part of what we talk about in our interview tonight, it's a bummer. Uh, you want to... Yeah, uh, well, tonight we have uh, Mike Rains is going to be our guest, and he runs uh, a Twitter account. Uh, he does a podcast, too, but uh, his Twitter account is the one that I've been following since, I don't know, I guess 2016, 2017, maybe, and it's uh, poker. It's called Poker and Politics, but it's... Uh, among, I would say, the top three best accounts that have documented, uh, analyzed, and lampooned the the QAnon movement, um, and it's uh, you know really interesting. And he's you know I've tapped out, but he is in all of the different uh, you know chat groups, Telegram, because you know most of QAnon is now kind of migrated off of Twitter, but uh, they're still, they're still on there, but a lot of the big ones have migrated to what? Uh, uh, most of them are on Telegram. Telegram, yeah. Um, uh, they have uh, Foxhole, Getter, Gab, uh, Parlor. Yeah. yeah. So, they yeah. just have a whole ecosystem going. And I'll say that, uh, yeah, um, Poker Politics and uh, Mike Rain's podcast, Adventures in Hell. But I'd say he's been very good. At, you know, he's not been like out front and center, but he's always been like a huge source for people studying Q, which is, oh, you yeah. know, if you go back, like it's very impressive that he's definitely like a source of information for a lot of people who found out this stuff back when it was on Twitter, even though, like you said, it's all been gated off now. Yeah, he knows it really well. I mean, he probably knows it as well, if, if, at least, as Mike Rothschild, who we also had yeah. on the show. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Rothschild wrote a book, uh, The Storm is Upon Us. And uh, I'm glad to hear that. I think Mike is working on a book as well. That could be interesting because he really does know all the different characters involved and the ins and outs of it. Um, yeah. There's definitely a few good things coming out. I think um, there's a lot of good, there were a lot of good journalists. Like, you know, I mentioned a few earlier, a second ago, but there were a lot of good journalists covering this. It was just that nobody was really listening until, I don't know, they all started dying and saying the hospitals are trying to kill you when you get COVID and shit. Yeah, well, it really built up pretty slowly. I mean, it really was the the frog in the boiling water. I don't think a yeah. lot of people realized how influential the QAnon movement had become until we were at the point where the president of the United States was like literally retweeting their plans for a coup and shit. I mean, it's just kind of unbelievable how much they ended up accruing. And um, it's sadly a dovetailed with a pandemic that save the children almost invariably people people straight up died directly because of some of this rhetoric people that might have otherwise gotten vaccinated or at least taken the the covid minimally seriously uh just basically ended up believing it was a complete hoax and fraud and um it's egregious but um 
don't yeah. know. It'll I think the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I think the pandemic really kicked it in the high gear, man. Like, um, before they like admitted COVID was real, it was like Save the Children got huge during COVID. You know, yeah. um, and the you know we don't. Uh, I don't know if we'll bring it up later, but we the new age movement has really jumped in on this shit, dude. They seem to love it, you know, or like, like, uh, because that's kind of mixes with the anti-vax crowd too. And shit There's like these. Right. And it, it mixes with kind of the almost anti Luddite, you know, uh, people that are kind of scared of technology. Yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's so many different interlocking groups and not all yeah. of them. Right. There's there's uh, some of the new agey lefty yoga yoga groups. California uh, is a huge like conspiracy movement growing at this point. And that's who it is. It's people like L.A. who are doing like Save the Children marches, you know? Yeah, it's it's a wild time. I kind of checked out of the QAnon thing for a while. So I, um, it'll be interesting to kind of check back in. I mean, I still read all of his Twitter updates, but it'll be interesting to maybe get get some insights yeah. on on the latest stuff so i, I guess that, that'll be our interview uh oh, i'm sorry go ahead no i follow all the telegram channels and shit man but i don't have time to look at all that shit you know how much they fucking post there's a new queen of canada and shit like it's hard <laughs> to keep up dude so yeah i don't know man i think this will make for a good interview yeah so on the other side we will be yeah. talking to mike rains of poker and politics and then we'll be All right, our guest today is Mike Rains, who runs a popular Twitter account called Poker and Politics, which has been dissecting and analyzing the QAnon phenomenon for a long time. And that's uh, one of the first accounts I started following when I got really interested in the QAnon movement, the peaceful research movement. Um, and so, uh, Mike is nice enough to join us today. And so Mike, thank you for being with us. And I, I guess the first question, since we've covered this in many different ways and you have too, I guess my first question for you will be, um, what has changed in the Q QAnon movement and what has not changed since the election? Um, and his, and, and have you seen any kind of splintering effect, uh, that has gone on? Well, uh, the biggest thing that changed is the fact that Q quit uh, posting. He quit in December of uh, 2020 after Trump lost the election to Biden, and then uh, he never came back. That was the end of Q. So the movement is now technically leaderless, although there's plenty of people that are still like the big thought leaders and promoters of the movement, but they have to operate of their own. They don't have Q to sort of step in as an arbiter and say like, I like this idea better than that idea, or this is gonna be our working theory on why this is happening. So I think that's probably like the biggest change is that now you kind of can pick your flavor of QAnon promoter that you want to uh, deal with. You can get more Christian-y with like praying medic and uh, now um, IET, the guy who was outed as a chiropractor, I believe in Colorado, uh, he's coming back as kind of like a born again person studying the Bible and all that kind of stuff. And then if you're looking for the anti-vaxxers, there's plenty of those guys out there. And then if you want to find like an, an outright neo-Nazi, you have Ghost Ezra, aka Robert Smart, the guy who got docked from Florida. And he's out promoting like flat earth and all kinds of other nonsense along with the fact that he's like the Holocaust, was that a real thing? Who knows? So it's very fractured in a lot of ways. And you have a lot of kind of infighting between the different groups about like your theory about what's going on is dumb. No, your theory's dumb. But uh, the sum that's the same is that like Trump is still the man. Trump is still our greatest hero in the only person who can save us from the deep state and all that kind of stuff. And that 
somehow, some way, uh, we're still in charge. We still have the power, even though uh, there's no logical way to justify that belief. Um, this guy, Patel Patriot, came out with this devolution series, which uh, Thomas Wicker had originally come up with this theory that right before he left office or right before he publicly left office, Trump secretly authorized the military to run America. And we have been under the control of a military junta for the past uh, few months, as it were. And at some point, be it the Arizona audit or something, some form of smoking gun proof is going to come out to prove the illegitimacy of the Biden presidency. And then this devolution military campaign will reinsert Trump as president with Biden's illegitimacy exposed to the public. Fascinating. Yeah. So one of the guests, one of the QAnon thought leaders, Martin Jettis, that we've, we've interviewed a couple times on here. I, I've actually, he's the only QAnon person that I have even something even approximating a friendship with. We've kept in touch. Um, I don't know why, but we just have an affinity for each other. But he, <laughs> he uh, before the election, he was, you know, of course, convinced that Trump would win. Even after the election, he was convinced it would end up being overturned. And he finally came back on again after none of that turned out to happen. And I was expecting a little bit of humility, um, but of course didn't really get that. And I'm, I'm wondering from what you've ex experienced with QAnon, especially since the election, like what are the different theories they're proposing for um, how, how are they simultaneously arguing that patriots are in control but at, this, at the same time, the deep state is more evil and nefarious than ever. Like, what, is some, what are some of the mental gymnastics going on right now to explain this in that community? Um, can you explain the Durham report, too? Because I don't know what the hell that is and why right, they're waiting one, for it. One, one question. I'm sorry. I just want to throw it in because I know it's a big theory he follows. Oh, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll do. I'll, okay, so... The first thing is, is we're dealing with a lot of rule number eight, which I love talking about, which is Umberto Zeco's uh, guide to fascism. Sign number eight of that is that the enemy is simultaneously too weak and too strong. And this is going on all the time that uh, Biden is simultaneously a monster attempting to overthrow and destroy America and also not really the president and all of the things he's doing are being countermanded by brave patriots operating in the shadows. Um, the mental gymnastics are basically whichever uh, QAnon promoter you're listening to has their own sort of ax to grind. Like I would consider there to be like three camps that are the main uh, groups that I uh, would, would, people, would put people into. One is the group that's like the true believers, like uh, Pepe Lives Matter, probably Martin Geddes would be one of them. And folks of this ilk who are just, we're on the, we're on the, we're on Team Q, Team Q is the good guys, they're going to win, we're winning, it's all going to work out great, just keep trusting the plan and we're going to get a result. The second group are basically what I call like bitter Republicans, like um, Major Patriot, uh, the Rise of Rod, the guy that used to have the Rod Rosenstein avatar, guys who are just mad at the world and are just angry about everything. And like, they're the guys who are complaining about, oh, what Biden did in Afghanistan over that drone strike was a war crime and completely ignoring the fact that in four years of, as president, Trump had ordered more drone strikes than Obama did in eight years. So it's like, you're, if you're going to call uh, Biden a war criminal, then you got to put Donnie two scoops up next to him in The Hague to uh, stand, stand for their crimes. Um, and then the third group is just the grifters, like the Jordan Sathers, the praying medics, just the guys that will say anything to make a buck. They don't, they don't believe any of this shit. They don't care at all. And basically the, the embittered Republicans are more along the lines of Biden's destroying the world and it sucks. And they'll throw out some comments about the Arizona audit and stuff like that and the payoff. But they're just miserable. They're just upset. The true believers, they are into the devolution stuff. They're the ones looking for the, the they're trying to read the tea leaves to figure out how Trump's still in charge and all that kind of stuff. And the grifters will just say anything. 
They just want to look for anything that'll make them a buck. They don't care how logical or illogical it is. They're just they're just looking at their engagement metrics based on what they say. So like one day they'll be mad at Biden. It gets that number of followers or that amount of replies. Then they say something positive about Trump still running the country. It gets that many replies. They just follow whatever whatever they can do to sell more J, uh, silver dollars or Q coins or T-shirts, whatever the play is for them, they'll just do it. As for the Durham report, um, the big thing for Durham is that most of the things that he's, uh, he's, he's supposed to arrest everybody and save the world. And he was like the final uh, barrel. He was the final bullet in the gun of all these uh, Russiagate investigations, trying to find the truth about the investigation of the investigation and all that kind of stuff. And he's running into the statute of limitations for a lot of these things, which is why he charged Michael Sussman for uh, lying to the FBI but a lot of people think this is a really weird case that uh, if you thought Michael Flynn got railroaded, Sussman's getting like double plus railroaded. Like this is such a weird charge and a weird, uh, weird thing to try to preside. And it just feels like Durham's trying to do something right before uh, he has to close up shop to show that he put in work, to show results. Because... I mean, Trump every three months will post something like, where's Durham? What's going on? And whenever Durham does anything or says anything, you get a million photos of Durham wearing a Punisher robe and looking all mean at the camera. And they're like, Durham is coming. And he's he's been coming for like four years now. He's been around almost as long as QAnon, basically. Right. And suddenly, suddenly the people that were talking about how, oh, what's wrong with lying to the FBI if there's no underlying crime? Uh, during uh, Russiagate, now all of a sudden those people are like, this is the beginning of the, the next storm, you know? Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, this, this was uh, what happened to uh, Flynn and Manafort was ridiculed by the, the people as process crimes, as just these meaningless things. Now they've got Sussman on an even weaker charge right. and they're thrilled. Like we're, uh, and uh, what QAnon always does with these charges like this to a guy no, but uh, the procedure, yeah, the procedural crimes thing—that was what Flynn was being charged with. But uh, Sussman's being charged even with like a weaker charge on that front because there's really no evidence that the things he was quote unquote hiding would not, were not public information already in other places. The FBI could have gotten that information anywhere; they didn't need it from him. So it's a very weird case, and it feels like Durham's just trying to do something to justify his existence before uh, the clock runs out and he can't charge anybody for anything. So uh, it's it's really funny that this is what they're living off of; that this is what they have. And we are bringing these people down, period. And yet when anyone ever gets arrested, all QAnon ever talks about is deals. We're cutting deals. Allison Mack was naming names. Uh, they were talking about how when they got Rachel Chandler, she was going to crack and tell them everything they wanted to know. So if we actually arrest you, you're going to get a deal. But if you're a fantasy character that's never going to be arrested, like Hillary or Obama or George Soros, you'll never get a deal. No deals for you guys. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, go, go ahead, Jim. I noticed um, one thing, like a lot of people obviously learned about this. Uh, the HBO Max documentary was really popular uh, into the storm, which I thought it was good. I, I mean, I, I had known most of it by that point because I've been obsessed with all this shit, too. Um, but I see Ron is running around just like trying scams, but he seems really well, I'll say first off, I want to talk about Sather. He looks dead inside. Um, <laughs> he looks like he's had enough of like trying to appeal to the, like all these boomers and he's on i see him on twitch all the time oh he's miserable uh yeah and and, and he, he's miserable and he hates he hates the community he's in like he's constantly railing against these people and he's just like you guys are promoting all this dumb nonsense with no facts and no evidence and you're making us all look bad and, I, and I'm just like, dude, you were on the Jim Jeffers show saying that Michelle Obama was a dude. Like, you are, right now, he just posted this today, he, he, that he is going to be co-hosting a weekly, I don't know if it's going to be a podcast or whatever it is, but he's going to be co-hosting a show with Patel Patriot, the guy who's writing the Devolution series. So, like, literally, he's going to be doing a, a show with a guy who invented 
a narrative for why Trump is still president. And Patel Patriot said it in like his first article that like I, the reason why he's doing this is because if Trump wasn't still fighting and wasn't still the president, he'd be very sad. I mean, that's that, that was his entire justification for these articles he's writing is that it would have hurt my feelings if Trump wasn't still the president. Yeah, I've noticed uh, that's the devolution thing has been like really, I don't, it seems like it's popular with a certain set of people who are still waiting for the storm, basically. Um, and that seems to be what a lot of like the Sathers and yeah, the, the Patel Patriot stuff is very strange. And then uh, the other part I've seen is Ron Watkins being really bad at being a grifter. What is he up to lately? Uh, Ron's just, uh, well, right right now, Ron is doing the, the thing he loves most, which is basically encouraging people who do not live in Japan, which is where he lives, uh, to uh, defy their governments and to practice civil disobedience or even violence. Uh, right now, Ron's, uh, I mean, Ron's been telling everybody to uh, fight in America and defy mandates and don't take the vaccine and all this stuff. Now Ron's like hardcore about doing all this stuff in Australia. He basically, if, if you're a major, if you're a nation in the news for having all kinds of uh, provisions for how you're going to be handling COVID and all these rules, Ron is going to be there to tell you, to, to tell his audience, please um, fight them, fight everyone, do everything you possibly can. And uh, his latest post on uh, Telegram is... Uh, Refusing to be injected by a vaccine may eventually turn into injecting you with a bullet. Never give up your Second Amendment right to bear arms. Never give up your guns. Mm. And he's trying to paint this picture that basically Australia has fallen because the, the citizens of Australia cannot arm themselves with guns to fight back against the tyranny of their nation. And it's, it, it's such a ridiculously silly thing uh, to imagine um, that anyone could stand up to the American military under any circumstances. I just love, I, I talk about this on my podcast all the time, but it's like, what is your gun going to do against a Predator drone or any plane 50,000 feet over your head dropping a smart bomb, a laser-guarded smart bomb down your chimney? I mean, it's just... Uh, they can um, do to save themselves from these from the deep state when no your your ar-15 cannot actually beat back the federal government it's not going to save you uh yeah and okay for a moment there well i guess it still is to some people what is going on with um i'd say mike lindell was a big character for a minute and the arizona audit too i mean mike lindell i know the last I know is basically he's hiding the uh, elections official from Colorado. And then Arizona, all I know is it just keeps getting put back. What's going on with these anti-democratic like goof-offs, like jerk-off sessions? Um, well, allegedly, allegedly the Arizona audit uh, report is going to be uh, submitted to the Arizona State Senate uh, Friday. So supposedly we are going to get this news or this information on Friday. And as many people have pointed out um, that they're going to be presenting this information to the Senate at 1 p.m. West Coast time on a Friday, which this reads like a Friday news dump for anyone who follows the news and knows that this is where you smuggle bad news. This is where you try to get a terrible story off your plate as quickly as possible. So the idea of this audit having any legs like the people running it are giving you a wink and a nod that they're not in favor of it and uh patrick Byrne, the guy who ran overstock and uh, got conned by the russian spy lady and all that good stuff uh he, a, a few weeks ago he came out and he was talking about these rhino republicans who are uh not gonna fight for this audit and they're trying to claim that they didn't find anything, but we know there's something there. And that those quotes were kind of like, again, they're kind of old, so we don't really know what's going on. But we already have one of the guys that was bankrolling this thing complaining about the results of it, already saying that, like, ah, this didn't go out the way it was supposed to because these people didn't have the nerve. They don't have the guts. Um, 
there was a big to do about the uh, the routers that the uh, Senate wanted to subpoena them, and Maricopa County was like, "We're not giving you these routers because there's way too much sensitive information on them that has nothing to do with this election, and we're not going to let uh, cyber ninjas poke around on in this stuff and data mine the people of Maricopa County or anything." And then there was a threat they were going to like withhold funding from the county if they didn't give them the routers and all this kind of stuff. And uh, a couple of days ago, they came to a, um, a an agreement where they're going to not give up the routers, but um, someone's going to be appointed to look at the routers and answer questions for the Senate and all this kind of stuff. And they're going to let the county keep their funding money. And there's been a giant discussion in QAnon if this was a cave and if the the audit has been uh, thwarted or if it's fine and we're good and it's still rolling along and we don't we don't even need the routers anyways we're good we're all set so that's all the kind of innuendo there uh, Mike Lindell um, he was meeting with the Arizona uh, the Alabama Secretary of State to make sure that Alabama is having free and fair elections. I just love the idea of being an elected official in a state in America. And then one day you're like, oh, I have a meeting with the MyPillow guy. Like he's going to come to my neck of the woods and talk to me about how to make my elections work right. And the guy actually, um, he had a, he had a uh, hashtag that um, it was easy to vote, hard to cheat. And I just, that just made me laugh so much because it was just like, you, um, you do know that the Republican Party does everything not to make it easy to vote. Like they're, they're aggressively working to make sure that it is hard to vote. Um, yeah, so um, John Merrill was the Alabama Secretary of State and he had to um, argue with Mike Lindell about 100,000 votes in Alabama being flipped which is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. This guy is just going to, he's going to keep peddling the same nonsense over and over again. Um, uh, the stuff that was given to him by the woman who he put in the safe house that you talked about earlier, nothing's come of that. It's been over a month since that whole incident broke. And uh, we don't know what's going on in Colorado and if there's going to be charges filed against anybody. But uh, Lindell's just out there uh, being a right-wing sugar daddy for all these different grifters. Uh, Jack Posebeck, I love just looking at his Twitter feed because he's constantly putting in my pillow shilling. And uh, Rudy Giuliani now is out there getting those my pillow bucks, which is just, I mean, America's mayor, the man that was there for us on 9-11 is now trying to get Mike Lindell to cut him a check for a few dollars. It's incredible. It just makes me laugh so much. It really um, is mind it, uh, You know, it, one of the one of the narratives uh, I've been interested in from the beginning of this is the kind of uh, the kind of Christo-fascist wet dream that this has been from the beginning. I, I think the the primary organic belie true believers of this are very very is a very very Christian militant Christian viewpoint that's out there. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Republican Party in general has been able to kind of weaponize the whole QAnon thing is to, to clamp down on their base. But the rhetoric from it is really almost just directly lifted from much of the satanic panic rhetoric of the 80s, which is this idea of you know pedophile cabal at the top. And uh, now it's just switched to a more political thing. But I mean, do you, I guess my question resulting from this is, do you think that, the, I mean, QAnon obviously has longevity, but do you, do you think that going forward, this is gonna continue to be a major uh, movement within the Republican party? Or do you think this is gonna be kind of a tea party thing where it has influence for a while and then it kind of fizzles out? Uh, I the big thing that has kept QAnon relevant as QAnon and not just becoming sort of uh, extremist Republican stuff, as it were, would be one uh, vaccines because QAnon 
took the anti-vax movement under their wing and then basically had QAnon co-opted by anti-vax to become basically the face of the movement. Once COVID became the most important topic in the world, uh, vaccination became uh, so important. And that's where all these grifters who were just nobodies, they were just like peddling this stuff and just having fights with everyone. Now suddenly their issue was the most important issue and it Republicans are willing to use it as a wedge. And now you have so many people willing to literally die rather than, um, than get this vaccine. That there was that article by Breitbart uh, in Breitbart where a guy was saying, hey, did the liberals trick us into not getting vaccinated so we'll die and then they'll have more voters than us? And I just, it's just so incredibly ridiculous that this is where we are, that uh, you could be tricked into not taking life-saving uh, medicine and it's the other person's fault for tricking you, not you for being a lunatic that refuses to acknowledge this like safe and effective medication. And um, the other thing that kept QAnon moving is Trump being uh, adamant that the election was stolen from him, that he was robbed. And that conspiratorial thinking about the election is what leads to the Alabama Secretary of State having to meet with Mike Lindell. It's what led to this Arizona audit and all this other stuff is that you have this crackpot silly conspiracy theory uh, just came out a few days ago that the Trump campaign itself knew that they were lying about the Dominion voting machine switching the election and they still said it anyways just because they were trying to make money and trying to rile up their base and so you have these two issues that are like that are super fringe like anti-vaccination and the election is stolen and on the one hand the vaccines are so important and they're the, the pivotal public's health issue of our time that it just makes it so this the media i don't know why they want to have both sides have a, a say in it but they do so we just have to deal with all these anti-vaxxers screaming and yelling and talking about my body my choice and all that stuff and then on the other side you've got republicans who either have to acknowledge reality and say that trump lost or they kiss trump's ring and tell him that he had the election stolen from him and we got uh, mark fitchum running for secretary of state in arizona and he's if he's not QAnon, he's QAnon adjacent. He's like talking, he was talking about decertifying the election, recalling our electors and Trump endorsed that guy for the secretary of state job. We have Alan West running for governor of Texas and he's a crazy person. Uh, we have, uh, I think it's, uh, there's, there's a guy in Georgia, you can never remember his name, but uh, he's running against, uh, he's running against Governor Kemp who QAnon hates because they think that he let the election be stolen or he stole the election along with the Democrats. And that guy is running on a campaign of Kemp's uh, deep state and Trump won Georgia. So you, you just have this group of people that, I think if Trump wasn't there and pushing it and motivating it, it would it would fade away because I don't think Republicans want to have their uh, base thinking elections are rigged because then they won't show up. I mean, after the California recall came out, QAnon said it was rigged. And there's only so many times you can tell people elections are rigged and the deep state's rigging it against us before they start showing up and they stop voting and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So... I think that's, I think that of all the things that are going on and as really like cynical and jaded as it is, I think that's the thing that the Republicans would probably be the most worried about is that eventually this movement is going to burn its audience out on the idea of actually voting. And if we do that, we're going to lose, I don't know, like five, 15, some percent of voters that we need to win these elections. They're just going to stay home because it's rigged. <laughs> yeah, I I do like the fact that, um, I don't know, that Arizona managed to get ripped off by cyber ninjas and a treasure hunter. And uh, I, 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 what is Lindell doing about, um, I, well, I just want to say real quick, what is Lindell doing about this lawsuit with Dominion? Because I see that everyone else shut up real quick about all the election fraud on as far as media goes, except Lindell who somehow felt he had the money to go against Dominion and just keep it going, apparently. 
I, he, he's just he's just a self-made man who is a lunatic and he's not going to back down uh he was on Infowars a while ago and alex jones tried to give him a life raft about the packet captures uh, which were given to him by Dennis Montgomery, who, if you don't know Dennis Montgomery, he's a, a serial con artist and just an, one of the worst grifters who's ever lived. And Alex was trying to give Mike Lindell like an out. He's trying to say, look, man, you had a lot of great evidence, but the, these packet captures, they were, they were nonsense. They were, something happened. These people snowed you, they faked you out. And Mike Lindell was like, oh, no, no, no. The packet captures are legitimate. They're real. They prove the fraud. We got the evidence. We have them. We got them cold. And, and you could just like feel the flop sweat form, forming on Alex's forehead as he's trying to steer Mike Lindell to safer shores and Mike Lindell just won't go because he's because he just he's a guy who just uh, has gotten rich and he's never been told no by anybody. So he's just going to stick to his guns no matter what. He's, he's just out of his mind. And um, what happened recently is. Uh, he got into the fight with Fox News, and they won't—they wouldn't run his ads for his cyber audit. So he pulled his My Pillow ads from Fox, and now he's just running his little right-wing echo chamber. Where if you are a right-wing grifter of any level, he'll offer you a affiliate code for My Pillow, and just and anyone from Alex Jones on down can try to get a few dollars by sending people to the MyPillow website with promo code Alex or whatever. It's, this is where he is and he's not back, backing down. He is going to pretty much go to his grave convinced both that the 2020 election was stolen and that he had undeniable evidence and proof of this fact, but nobody would listen to him for some reason. And like, he just can't wrap his head around the fact that when people tell him he was sold three magic beans, he doesn't believe it. He just will not accept that Dennis Montgomery ripped him off. He, yeah. he, he swears this is the real evidence. When, when, when even Alex Jones is telling you that your evidence is weak, you might want to rethink what you're doing a little bit, you know? Yep, exactly. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Also, this, I signed up for Frank's speech and I get a text from a different number every day. So I can't block any of them. That yeah. tells me about everything being 60% off. So he just blasts those sales out from like spam numbers all day too. Oh, Which, I bet. I, oh, I don't doubt it. Oh my God. Yeah, hey, it won't stop. Mike, just to get into some kind of, because I feel like, you know, so much of QAnon has been discussed in so many different ways. I, I'm going to, ask you a question about how this could proceed into the future as new technology arises and whatnot. And we have things like deep fakes and whatnot um, with QAnon people obsessed over, you know, what, what was it? The Fraggle drip thing with Hillary Clinton and whatever Fraggle rock or whatever it's called. Um, I mean, do you think that, you know, clearly the grifters and the true believers both are committed to pushing disinformation out there uh, by any means necessary. I mean, do you think that the informational warfare side of this is gonna get more intense? I mean, how, how much do you see this escalating into the future? How dangerous do you think this could get? Uh, well, I think it's incredibly dangerous always. I mean, we saw what they were willing to do on January 6th, and they also take no responsibility for what they've done, and they never will take responsibility for what they've done. Uh, like, I, uh, just to bring him up again, Jordan Sather, like, had a post where he was, like, mocking um, a story about a, a family. It was, like, when I found out my loved one had, like, like had chosen QAnon over me, and it's just, I, I moderate QAnon casualties. I see all these stories of these families getting divorces, uh, parents and children uh, becoming estranged, and the damage this movement has done. And the people that promote it just don't even care. They don't care about how many families they hurt or damage. There was like one guy who um, 
someone someone made it posted a thing about how their wife was going to leave them if they don't get vaccinated and uh going to take the three kids away and all this other stuff and the QAnon promoter was like don't do it don't don't take the poison shot like, no one ever tells you dude this your it's your family it's your kids it's your wife like like go to them leave us alone forget about us these weirdos on the internet like live your real life and like be a part of reality no one ever tells these people this they always love bomb them they always tell them that we're what matter we are important and we're your new family and your old family will eventually one day find the truth and come back to you and beg you for forgiveness once they see what's really going on in the world. As for the deep fakes, um, what's interesting is they have made it clear for the longest time that the only reason the media is talking about deep fakes is so that when the Hillary face carving video comes out, which is frazzle drip, which is what you were talking about, when the video of Hillary Clinton murdering that small child comes out and drinking her blood of Huma Aberdeen, when that video surfaces, it will be real. No matter how fake it is, be it like horribly botched CGI, be it Ru Rudy Giuliani in a blonde wig, whatever fakeness that video obviously is, QAnon is going to declare it to be real and that anyone who calls it to be a deep fake is lying and trying to cover for the deep state and you're enabling pedophiles or you're a pedophile yourself. They'll, they will look for anything to confirm their biases and once they've found it, they won't let it go. Uh, I remember um, after the initial reporting by Q, I think in 2018, I believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was dead. Um, there was plenty of video and evidence that Ruth Bader Ginsburg was alive. And um, at one point there was a photo of her, there was a video of her somewhere. Uh, I think it was in Washington. There was a procession. She was standing there and QAnon believers were talking about how it was obviously a deep fake. Yep. How this, this was fraudulent. The same people that were saying that the only reason why they're talking about deep fakes is to try to is try to lie to us when we get the video of Hillary Clinton killing that child. We're turning around and calling a very boring video of Ruth Bader Ginsburg being alive a deep fake. Right. Yeah. So reality is whatever they want it to be. They don't have any standards ever. Yeah, I think that's like. Uh, do you think that's the danger is like there, there's strangely like a political movement but they're also like most of the politicians like using them are ripping them off clearly they just want them as a you know a voting block but at the same time they're actually just tearing apart like a social fabric and um you know killing themselves too you know um do you think that's their real like this unique character do you think like the real danger is what they'll do to like the social fabric or do you think that they'll have like a play in like elections going forward it's like you said they i think all elections are fake too it's really i mean i i, I really think that you are going to have um some level of domestic terrorism over the next 20 odd years uh because uh, the the boomers, the baby boomers, they were uh, a generation of people that were most that were mostly white, and they were this giant generation that was bigger than the generations before them or after them, and they had this massively outsized influence on our politics and our society for an incredibly long period of time. I mean, most people consider boomers to be born in like the 50s and 60s and then into the 70s and then eventually you got into Gen X and on. And the boomers have always been in power for their entire lives because they, they, the, they were the biggest generation. They had the votes. And now I don't have the demographics in front of me easy, but I would assume that Gen Z, Gen X, Gen Z and the millennials probably have a bigger slice of the pie than the boomers are comfortable with. And that's only going to continue as time goes on because younger people grow up and start voting and older people start dying. So you're going to have this shift and you just see so much uh, insecurity like the Unite to Right rally in Charlottesville and the people marching and screaming, Jews won't replace us. And Tucker Carlson talking about the great replacement and all this kind of stuff. You're, you're dealing with this uh, generally white, generally Christian people that identify as cis het uh, people. And they're looking at this, these younger generations that are 
more and more non-white, more and more non-believing, non-religious or outright atheist, and way more accepting of the sexual spectrum and LGBTQ plus and trans and just gender fluidity and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's like terrifying to those people that like this is this is who's gonna be taking over the world when I leave and I don't like it. And I just think that uh, that change is something that was going to lead to a lot of um, generational conflict. And you throw in QAnon, you throw in this hardcore Christian militant mentality, you throw in this fact that uh, you have people telling these these boomers and telling white people, everyone still believes the same way you believe. Everyone still has the same faith you have. It's only this like shadowy cabal of Satanists who are stealing power and, and using it to bring in the non-whites to replace you and all that other good stuff. You have people agitating for this paranoia and racism and xenophobia and anti-immigrant stuff. So you're really playing with a lot of fire here. So I, I think that there is a lot of uh, capacity for um, there to be unrest in society. As for the elections, it's really hard to say because I just don't know uh, what Republicans can really do vis-a-vis um, -vis, like the presidency or whatever. Because if you look at McCain and Romney basically got the same amount of votes and then Trump got a little bit more in 2016 and it was just enough to win the Electoral College. I won't get started with the Electoral College. I'll be talking all day. But I don't know if they have another candidate like Trump who can appeal to the racists and the far right uh in in such an inviting way as to get them to actually show up and support him and vote for him especially now especially now when trump himself is saying i was rigged i was jobbed ah this whole thing's corrupt it all sucks so it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens in the midterms it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens in 2024 and how much pull do they actually have in elections because um my i think my favorite like little story in in 2020 was jeff sessions the night before his primary election against Tommy Tupperville, he like posted a QAnon meme of himself. Like he posted a, a photo of himself with the laser eyes and the phrase "sessions activated." He literally went out of his way to court the QAnon vote in the in the dying hours of his campaign for the Senate, and he got blown out. They like called the election like a half hour after the polls closed because he just got blown out by Tupperville. So I mean. And you would think a Republican primary in Alabama, maybe QAnon would have a little influence, but they absolutely didn't. Uh, well, let's, before, I can, we can't possibly end this without talking about, you know, the actual identity of Q. Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation since the HBO documentary that it is Watkins. Um, what, what is your take on that? And do you think we're going to see any new Q posts or do you think we're seeing an inflection point where that's gonna, it's gonna, that he'll be a, the legacy figure of QAnon, but then something new is going to come out? Uh, well, I think I, I'd always said before the documentary really like kind of nailed Ron Watkins for being Q. I had always said that it really didn't matter if they were paying someone to write the drops or if someone was just a troll on 8chan that was doing it. The fact was, is that Ron and Jim were the ones who had the website that it was being posted on. They were the ones who had control over the account in the sense that like if Q posted something they didn't like, they could remove that post from, from 8chan or 8kun, whatever it was called at the time they had total control over whatever Q could say and they would allow Q to say basically anything I think but they at the very least were the publishers and the editors of Q and that was enough the fact that Ron probably was writing the drops in the documentary exposed that it was just uh the cherry on top of the Sunday for me uh as for uh, a return it's weird because Jim Watkins has said he wished Q would come back but to me, it feels like Ron doesn't want to do it because Ron wants to be in front of the camera. Ron wants to be on OAN talking about voter fraud. Ron wants to go to these conventions and give speeches and like wink at the crowd about the whole thing. We're like, look, guys, I'm not cute. Waka waka. But I mean, everyone knows what, what his deal is. So I don't think that Ron wants to play that character anymore because 
He can't be Q on camera. He can't be Q in public. The whole point of Q is that it's the Wizard of Oz. It's the man behind the curtain. It's this all-seeing oracle who works at the right hand of Donald Trump and is fighting to save the world from Satan. And that's just a character that Ron doesn't want to play. So I think that's the main thing. But or could we get another sort of uh, gimmick like Q? Absolutely. But the, the problem is, is that it has to uh, create a groundswell of support and uh, people actually caring about it. Because there were so many people doing this act before Q did it. Uh, the Chanboards were just lousy with these people. They had like FBI Anon, Mega Anon, uh, Highway Patrol Anon, Hollywood Anon. Like th this, well, this was a thing that had existed for forever on the Chans. Someone who was an insider about something or another, be it a police officer or an FBI agent or a big shot producer in Hollywood, there was always a person who had the secret dirt about some section of society and was willing to share it with you, his fellow trolls on the Chan boards. And could there be another uh, like government anon or like White House anon, some insider working to make sure that Biden doesn't destroy the world? Absolutely. But the, the problem really is, is will they ever uh, get any sort of uh, traction beyond just Chan trolls? Uh, Paul Ferber, who was interviewed in that HBO documentary, and if you kind of read between the lines, like the, the, the kind of the story that most of us QAnon researchers get into or believe in is that Tracy Beans, Paul Ferber, and uh, Pamphlet Anon were the three guys or three guys and a gal that were uh, started, that started Q. And then at, at some point, Ron stole it from Paul Ferber and that account and then ran with it himself. And Paul Ferber was uh, posting stuff. I don't know if it, it was on the chance, but he would post these things on Twitter and stuff about a character called uh, Big Dickanon, who was talking about the Three Gorges Jam in China collapsing and all this stuff and was just desperately trying to get another Anon story rolling. And it was like, Paul, calm down, relax. We, 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 know that, we know that you probably were cute at the start, then Ron took your gimmick from you. And we know the only reason why you're promoting uh, large male genitals anon is because it's you on, on, a, on a neutral account on 4chan or, or 8kun, whatever. But just, just calm down, buddy, calm down. It's not going to go anywhere. No one cares. The, the, magic is, the magic is lost. Like Q has stolen that market share. Yeah, I remember the switch. Which it was odd because it was clearly another person or another group of people posting at that point because it changed so drastically when it migrated to 8chan. But yep. going forward to like uh, Trump after like Alabama getting booed about the vaccine and just, um, you know, not really playing in to everything that these people are starting to believe, like the devolution theory and things like that, and or like the more revivalist tours and all these weird like religious things going on. Uh, and I think that those people, they don't have a, I've been thinking they don't have another candidate like Trump, like you said. Um, do you think they're both moving past him? And like, do they just want a dumb guy candidate like that? And is that like, you know, that's a rare thing to get somebody that rich and that dumb. And I don't think they're going to let Mike Lindell run. Oh God. Uh, the, 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 uh, the main thing I think is the danger is could you get someone who is willing to wink and nod at QAnon and gets it and kind of understands it, but at the same time has enough gravitas to be palatable to mainstream Republicans. I feel like Michael Flynn would be the guy that would try to work that angle as hard as he could. I, I feel like that he would be the guy that would try to like ride like his military experience, his national security experience, uh, right-wing grievance on him, quote unquote, getting railroaded by those charges in the Mueller report. And at the same time, um, be uh, letting QAnon knowing that he's, he's there, he's their guy, that he's their candidate. Uh, I just. When, when would, what about, uh, what about, Ted, I think Ted Cruz is the kind of strategist that could do that wink winking. I could see a Ted Cruz Mike Flynn ticket actually. 
Uh, that'd be very interesting. I, I the only the, the one thing I would worry about for Ted is that he'd be kind of new to the party, as it were. I, I get the feeling that like they QAnon, I mean, the thing that's like so funny to me, it makes me laugh so much about QAnon is that Trump is telling them to get vaccinated, which in their minds is Trump telling them to die, to be murdered by the vaccine. Yet yet they still slavishly follow him and are devoted to him. And it's like how can you be in favor of a guy who um, wants you to take a vaccine that you know is going to kill you? I mean, it, it's just so absurd that this is their mindset. Um, they have that going. So, but Trump, if he runs, they're going to just they're just going to go to him. He's he's their daddy. They can't they can't they can't leave Trump for any other candidate. But if Trump uh, doesn't run for any reason. There is going to be that what you talked about, like Ted Cruz, maybe Michael Flynn, if he thinks he's viable. But there is going to be people, there are going to be people trying to corner the QAnon vote. The QAnon is going to be pandered to, and um, and they're going to have their ass kissed during this primary to try to get them to support somebody. And it's going to be really awful to see that because. It's going to be interesting to see how coded it is, how much of a dog whistle it is. And is it going to drive people like me nuts or is it going to be so obvious that everyone's going to seem like, oh, my God, uh, like Marco Rubio is outright like just supporting QAnon. That, that's that's what I really wonder is what what kind of stuff are people willing to do? Do these people know that just saying the number 17 is enough to get, make these people happy or are they going to go further? Uh, Jordan Sather actually has a post out uh, today that reads uh, Trump Flynn 2022. So they're already trying to get Flynn the vice presidency under Trump. God. Well, yeah, it's a mess and it's going to get messier. But, um, you know, you've been covering this for a while and it's a very, you have a very interesting take and research method on it. And I, I definitely love your account. And you also do your podcast. So before we, we take it out here, why don't you tell our listeners, you know, where they can hear your podcast and, um, and anything else you want to add about any work you're doing right now? Oh, uh, just a, a, the, the podcast name is Adventures in Hell World with a Q instead of an O in world. Uh, it's on all the standard platforms like Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's hosted on Acast. So if you go to the poker, at Poker Politics Twitter feed, uh, it's in, I, there's like two different links that's in, the, in my information that will take you to the, uh, the show. So you'll be able to find it there. Uh, and that's really like what I'm working on like right now is mostly that feed. Uh, I, I, I'm off and on working on a book that's kind of like the thread I have uh, of my Q is always wrong thread where I just go over because I just think that there needs to be like a chronicling of all the dumb stuff Q wrote and so that people can see it for how silly it is and be able to confront it directly um, verbatim from what the words of Q actually were. It's a lot alike. It's a lot like how, and for in order to be capable of arguing with a Christian in a debate, an atheist has to read the Bible. You have to know the source material in order to be able to engage in an argument on it. So like, that's kind of the main thing that I'm working on on this book, which I will try to finish sometime in the next century or so. But like, that's the that's my other big project that I'm doing. Cool. Well, I, I certainly appreciate your work, especially that last part. I think it's good to have a, a, a running document of, of the, the rhetoric, what they're actually saying, because it really is a, a, a clown's autopsy, to say the least. But, um, well, I uh, really pre we appreciate you coming on, and I, yeah. uh, listeners, definitely check out uh, I the Poker and Politics Twitter account. I want to recommend the podcast too. I, I would say I love it, man. I you treat them with the proper contempt. <laughs> <laughs> they deserve it. Much they deserved. Deserve it. You know, they can't. I don't like this argument that we have to talk softly to them because how do you talk somebody down up a ledge that high? You know. Oh yeah. There's not much you could say to them. Like you said, they break up families. So I appreciate the way you handle them, both online, you know, on Twitter and on your podcast. So thank you, thank you very much for that. All right. We have All right, an man. army of digital soldiers.
that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, we caught up on some of our favorite characters and learned what might happen to some of our new favorite characters in the future. I mean, did some speculation, some, some looking yeah. back at our fun year, two years yeah. now, I guess. It's, um, you know, my excitement for QAnon is not what it used to be because I just, uh, I'm just sick of lunacy being rewarded as a virtue at this point. And uh, uh, I, so I, I kind of appreciate, like you said, his, his approach to it is a lot less coddling than I have been in the past. But uh, I don't know, is there anything he said that's, you know, struck out to you? Or I think that, you know, I think like, um, we talked about a little bit before we even started recording tonight. Um, I, like I said, I think the biggest threat they pose is tearing the social fabric apart. When we talked about elections, you know, that was what interests me because I think that they really do like require a guy who's like a big dumbass like them, like Trump. You know what I mean? I, people say that, oh, this, the competent fascist is coming. It's like, it'll be like a Tucker, you know, it'll be some scam artist who fucking doesn't give a shit about him and you know he might like say the few right things here and there like oh i hate big pharma and except this one and this one right mm -hmm. and elections is kind of like fucking and they can go to hell too because like as he brought up they're all stolen you know so i don't any like competent fascist that's going to run i think would just be a scam artist and i think they would i don't think you can get another candidate like our fucking big boy no, I don't. But I, I, I do think I do think he will run in 2024. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mike Flynn was was on the other ticket. I got um, money on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to your earlier point, I think, you know, democracy has had many challenges. And, and certainly this is not the biggest one. We we have many uh, to whatever this experiment is, but we are reaching a point now where I think we're gonna see like, can a society, much less a, a democracy, um, hold itself up when there is no consensus reality anymore? It seems like we're at that point now where we literally, we there is no consensus reality between uh, major groups of people on, on matters of science, on matters of, of, of healthcare, of, of just straight uh, empirical fact. We don't have any way now of discerning what, what is information, what is disinformation, what is misinformation. And I don't know, I, I don't know, like I think we're seeing how bad, I don't think anyone can say that they, they're not nervous about what America feels like right now. It feels very unhinged. You and I both followed this shit for a long time. We knew people who fucking dabbled in it and whatever, you know, and it's like, this was funny like 10 years ago, but it's not really funny now that it's like been mass exposed to all these people like through YouTube and Twitter and shit those years where it was like allowed to run rampant. And I don't know that banning it's the right solution, but I don't know what to do because it's like, well, well one, you can never question capitalism, even in like the slightest way and you can't question imperialism and what are people going to do? They're going to go online and go insane. You know, this is right. what happens. So like a country where you can't question the structure that overrides it. And, um, you know, Mike brought up that he moderates QAnon casualties. Like that's like, uh, you know, seeing these people describe their families breaking up or like losing their whole fucking life over this shit. Like these motherfuckers only isolate themselves more and surround themselves more with like these voices. They're just like, yeah, this is good. It's right. So it's like, as even if they're like a small contingent of the country, like they'll still be completely psychotic because they're just reinforcing each other's bullshit all the time. They're willing to cut off everything for that. And yeah. I, I don't know, that could, that makes a dangerous person to me. Maybe not the boomers, but maybe once you get into like Gen X and the new agers and all these weirdos, you don't know what kind of like radical it'll make, I guess. Right. Well, there will be another QAnon and I think generations moving forward as climate chaos gets worse, as automation takes over, as late capitalism shows its ugly, true ugly side, I think uh, domestic extremism, particularly online, but even in person, I think is going to get way more scary. But yeah, um, the, well, there's already like Gen Z posting on TikTok about Pizzagate, man. Right. It's already here, so... That's just something to look forward to. 
Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be rough. The kids aren't, uh, aren't doing much better because they're, dude, they're online poisoned from birth. What what are they going to do? You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have faith that they'll form like this progressive voting block necessarily because I don't think they'll have any coherent politics. Yeah. Now you don't know what anything is anyway. There's no definitions of any term, like you said. No, it's a mess. Like there's like there's not like progressives are now anti-progressive. It's like crazy. Like and the fact is like yeah, the, the like socialism is like CRT, which is actually like racial like diversity training at your job. You know, like this is insanity to the point. It's like the fact that nothing is agreed upon. Like you can call anything communism. Fuck it. Like it doesn't matter. Joe Biden like trying to force people back to work. And like the gas prices going up because people are fucking driving again is communism. Like this shit's fucking, you know, uh, I got an email the other day because I fucking am on these dumb sites from Rumbler and Dinesh D'Souza has a new video about how Joe Biden is doing fucking Venezuelan communism. You know, it's like, what the fuck is this shit? Like nothing is anything anymore. Yeah. It's a fucking disaster, but it was a good interview. Yep. It was a good one. And, uh, We'll keep touching in on QAnon uh, since it's never going to go away and we're trapped in it forever now. But uh, moving yeah. forward, we're going to, you know, keep trying to get some more interviews. I'd like to get uh, a Glenn Greenwald apologist on to talk about some of these new riffs on the left because, boy, it is it is a Twitter left is a vicious place right now. I'm a Young Turks guy. <laughs> the actual Young Turks, not the TV station. I'm a Michael Tracy guy. No, uh, no just kidding. Um, yeah, I like Sam Cedar. Yeah, I do too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I like Steven Crowder. I'm Team Crowder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about those people. If you're suckered by like somebody who like, like, yeah, don't take the vaccines. You can't trust Big Pharma. And then they have like four pill commercials during their like breaks and shit. Fuck off. Like, that like people who trust like the fox populists and shit is such bullshit yeah. yeah i don't know i don't think those assholes like most of them are grifters so i don't know what those assholes would do if they actually got the reins they would just be traditional republicans you know probably yeah yeah so anyway all right we are out of here um like i said at the top we have our website up leftisdead.com Go ahead and check it out. Uh, you'll be able to find everything you need there for us. Jake, you got anything to plug? Nope. Uh, Jake's selling Pokemon cards on eBay. Yep. 